You're listening to the Swap Mono Live podcast show brought to you by our friends at OGO. Hey, welcome to the Swap Moto Live podcast presented by OGO. I'm on the tail end of a uh, pretty gnarly chest cold, so you'll have to bear with my voice. But <clears throat> I have uh, two guests who will carry the show. Um, today we just finished up our first day of testing for the 2019 250 shootout. Um, so I'm joined by longtime tester Pat Foster and original tester returned Mike Sleater. Wow, I sound awesome. You sound great. You sound healthy. <laughs> there was this lady actor back in the day, and she did tampon commercials, and her name was like Brenda Vaccaro. <laughs> Anyhow, guys, we spent time on all six of the bikes today. Um, you know, back in the day, 125s, they say power is everything. What are your thoughts on what's the most important thing? In a 250, is it power or is it handling? Because I think on a 450, all the bikes are so fast that the handling is what makes it important. How is it in the 250 class? You know what, Don? Especially being a 185-pound guy that doesn't spend a lot of time on 250s, uh, handling or uh, uh, motors is huge for me. I got I got to have power um, to get over obstacles out of corners. Uh, to get up into the higher RPMs where you can enjoy some of the mid-range and top-end where most of the uh, 250Fs spend their time, uh, I, I got to have a lot of power. Mike, what yeah, do you think? Yeah, um, I was I was uh, on KTMs for the most part of my adult life, really, um, and my career shows I was better on a light spike. So I've, I've been riding a light spike. I rode a 350 for a lot of years um, because I it's a feeling for me. Um, that being said, like there's two bikes that stand out when you talk about power versus handling. The Honda and Cali I struggled with all day. Like on what was I, where I was going to rank what, and it wasn't about power, is what felt comfortable to me. And that's kind of chassis related because most of these bikes, I'd say all these bikes are at a pretty big point, but overall, it can, it, it, it's the power, power is what's lighting our eyes up. I'd say they, all bikes have a good enough package to where then it comes power mm-hmm. so of the six bikes what's the horse parking yamaha yamaha no doubt for me yeah i agree it's a clear it's a clear winner yeah in the power department i think last year the yamaha had a lot of low but flattened out on top i agree that's yeah. been I, fixed i rode i rode that bike a lot last year as a reference and then this year stacking it against the other five um i rode it last because i knew it was all new and I, I was familiar with the other models more so and it surprised me like the top end i knew it was gonna have a tons of bottom tons of mid but the the overev and the, the ecu tune really completed the package of that power plant hmm. the uh versatility built into the Yamaha with the power tuner is pretty amazing yeah, they were like Jamie Ellis, one of the test riders today, with us. He he was he's from Twisted Development, one of the better um, aftermarket companies. He was doing tuning, never took his helmet off or his gloves off, 
and sat there and told him I want more advancement on the on the timing and less or more fuel on zero opening and they were literally the guy grabbed his tablet or his phone even I think it was and just from Yamaha and just tuned him up right there and five minutes later off he went mm-hmm. so <clears throat> based on power does the Yamaha win both your, both of your opinions yes absolutely for me what about the rest of the bike well it's interesting that you said, hey, does it come down to power or does it come down to handling your in your choice? And for me, uh, I don't even have to make that distinction because not only does the Yamaha have hands down the best power in the class from great low end, excellent mid range, rivaling the top bikes in, in, as far as top end, um, it's one of the best handling bikes in the class as well. And when I say that, I'm really referring to straight line stability, comfort, you know, the suspension's excellent. Um, it might not corner as good as some of the other bikes, but it's, but it's good. Hmm. It's good. And so I, for me, I didn't really have to make a distinction between handling and cornering because the Yamaha does everything really well. What about you? I, I, I almost verbatim. I, um, once again, I rode that bike last, um, I, was, I didn't get to ride it previously in the in the in the intro, so um, the new refined ergonomics big for me. Last year the bike was wide, kind of felt fat, hard hard to lean over in turns. Um, this year the turning the chassis complemented the motor, and yeah. in some aspects the chassis with me out outdid the motor in some places, which is crazy because the motor is better than everyone else's. So they've done a really good job of fixing that chassis and that top end. Um, for 19, they refined that bike. I'd say a good 15% overall. Mm. With and then the E Start, they've they've caught on. They got the electric start. Um, they've really they've got a lot of features and benefits that have you know caught up to the KTM Husqvarna group. And then they've added power. Yeah. So Mike, you made you made an interesting point. And you were talking about the changes from last year to this year, and this is kind of carrying over from the the 450 shootout that we just did. And Yamaha made some subtle changes to the 450. And mostly uh, axle, um, stiffer axle. Lug, uh, fork lugs. Fork lugs on the bottom of the forks and um, axle spacers. And I think you did the intro on yeah. it. Yeah. And, you know, to a lot of people, they think, gosh, that's, that's not going to make any difference at all. The Yamaha 250 also got those changes this year. Plus the new chassis. Plus, the, I mean, a, a host of changes. But also the changes that that focused the front end a little bit more, kept a little more weight on the front, made it a little less uh, wandery coming out, which was a huge improvement on the 450. And it's really funny because people would think, what? Even myself, stiffer axle, different lugs. Is that really going to make a difference? It, it made a tremendous difference. Did you <coughs> notice that? And, yeah, I think that's an testament to their North American group, Travis Preston, Ulrich, uh, Steve over there. They do a they're refining now. It seems like they have more control outside looking clearly. It seems like they have a lot of the the Japanese have a lot of faith in the group in North America. They allow them to have their own. I mean, heck, they have a TP map setting, right? Travis Preston yeah. map setting. So they've really embraced this North American um, testing group, and they're steering the ship down the right path. Clearly, with the Yamaha 450 and now the YZ250F, um, they're not making huge 90 degree changes and they make a circle. They're they're just finding their path, and they're working down a path, and they hit a wall, they work down another path. So it's clear, I think, that they're they're making changes to refine, not to 
redefine. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, so moving on away from the Yamaha. I was a big fan of the Honda today. CRF 250. <laughs> My voice is so bad. But <clears throat> in talking with Pat on the drive here, we shared a lot of the same opinions of the bike. Whereas you were like 180 the opposite way. So, Pat, why don't you uh, talk a little bit about what you and I thought about the Honda? Yeah, absolutely. So, so last year the Honda was an all-new bike. 2018, they changed they changed everything, and man, 95% of it they they did an excellent job, in my opinion. I think that the bike handles amazing. The chassis is terrific. It corners really well. The one thing that the Honda was lacking, which as I mentioned at the start of the show, is a big deal for me, is low end power. Um, it, it was soft down low and just required a lot of work a lot of you had to be diligent with your shifts you had to be revving the bike it reminded me more of a 125 than uh, than a modern day 250f where you get punished really bad if you if you uh, fell off the pipe mistakes in the corners these types of things so Honda focused a ton of attention on the, on the 2019 on gaining low end power like almost all of their focus was there and I think that they did a great job in in gaining that. Um, they definitely closed the gap. It's, it certainly isn't a Yamaha down low, but it's better and it's acceptable and, uh, and much closer to the rest of the bikes. What, what Donnie and I really like about the Honda and appreciate is, is the chassis. The bike, even though it's not necessarily really light on the scale, it feels light on the track. Um, when I'm on it, I just feel like it, it goes wherever I want. It's very easy to change directions. It's positive coming into the corners. Uh, the straight line stability is good, um, which, but but the, the the biggest thing is that it corners really well, and it's it doesn't it doesn't just lean in well, but it carves the front end, and um, gosh, it, to have a bike that is good and stable in the straights but also agile in cornering, is is pretty unusual. And uh, that's what makes the, the Honda great for me. It's, it's probably the funnest bike. If I was going to go race a bike, I'd buy the Yamaha for all the reasons that we've talked about. But just for pure fun, man, the Honda's amazing. I think ergonomically, the Honda's spot on. That's, you know what? That's a great point. The Honda's very, very comfortable. The, the rider triangle, the, the, position, the uh, relationship between the foot pegs and the seat and the bars, very comfortable. I've heard uh, people say that all day various abilities various sizes like just just feels good it's narrow and it's sleek easy to move around on um definitely a definitely a, a strong point for the honda okay the great thing about having a variety of testers it's different opinions yeah and so for sleeter the bike did not rub you the right way yeah like um so it was the first bike I went out on the day, and um, I rode it a little bit at Kahia a week ago. Um, let's talk about the good of the Honda for me. So there was a lot more good than there was bad. The motor down low wasn't exciting, but didn't disappoint me because I kind of was I had a little bit of familiar familiarity with it. Uh, the mid to top, though, gosh, the tone of it. I mean, Kibby's the engine builder for Geico Honda, and I've never got to ride one of his bikes, but the way this production CR250F sounds, it sounds like what I thought... I can imagine what a race motor sounds like. The EFI tunes amazing um, up top, mid. Um, the rider triangle, when we say that, it's that foot peg to seat to 
to right. hand the bar, the ergos, agree with you guys spot on. But it, what it did for me, there's, I didn't have any confidence in what the bike was doing. There was a little on-off today, and I had a nut, like a knuckle on it when I get off, and I have to really push my feet down to keep that thing planted, driving forward. He wanted to lunge, and then when I brake, I get it. I'd over have the thing oversteer on me, where I'd come in the front and would dive, and I'd get an oversteer, and. I wasn't comfortable in that position. Was the bike bad? No, but my style didn't accept that type of character of the bike um, because I wanted to love it because there were so many things that were so fun about it. Like like I said, the motor was great. The, the riding triangle, the position, the ergos were the best in class. Can't can't deny that. But mm. what it did bad, it wasn't. It didn't suit my experience. It wasn't fun when I was chasing the oversteering the bike and correcting coming out of turns and. Um, pushing down, compensating for what I th- wanted the bike to do due to my riding style, it didn't match up with me. Um, but would I buy one for my son if I wanted to buy a good bike? It's in the hunt, yeah. Like if I didn't want a Yamaha or the dealer, it's a great riding bike. But for my style, it just didn't quite work for me. I'm, su- I'm assuming you know you tuned it for you a little, maybe a different linkage or do a little adjustment for myself. You, you get it dialed in, but yeah, it just. I, I, it wasn't my favorite. That's for that's for sure. But it, it's a good motorcycle quality of a Honda. Um, just it, it definitely didn't match up with my my style. Yeah. Okay. So ranking at the top, near the top for everybody. Where the two <clears throat> Austrian bikes. You being a former KTM R and D rider, why do you feel the Husky? KTM feels so different. Um, this is pretty cool. This, those were my settings. Those are the last settings that I got to develop. So I got to put my work up against everyone else's stuff. So I was like, and I don't work there anymore, and I haven't for nearly eight months. So there's there's no skin in the game, and it was the best I could do with the group I had. And those bikes feel so much different purely because of the chromoly chassis. That chromoly chassis has a different tone through the motor to your hands. There's a different feel going into turns. And when I say feel, it's not bad. It just feels different. Um, I think the I call it a warning light. That chromoly chassis has more flex in, in that front end where you come into a turn and kind of know where the tire is going to go. You kind of understand where it's gonna, what it's going to do. If it's washing out, it gives you a warning like, okay, you're on the edge of the tire. You might fall. Um the fork tubes, they that company's worked a lot on the diameters of the fork tubes to get those things to flex more. So slap down landings, I was very impressed with those two bikes today going against the Honda. The Honda was also bad at slap downs. When I just had the front end land second, it kind of slapped it to the ground. It gave me like a harsh feeling in my hands. So I thought the Austrian bikes did well on that. But mainly those bikes feel different. Just They feel different from each other also. They've done a good job of separating those bikes, I feel, with the Magura clutch. This is a small thing on the Husky versus the Brembo on the KTM. The ergonomics are different. The seats are different. The airbox, so power delivery is different as well. But they have great parts in them. Yeah, handlebars are different. Um, today, uh, I'm, I'm familiar with the KTM stock bar bin, so I didn't have a big... But I heard a lot of people talking about that Pro Taper bin being a lot better than that... that uh, um, production KTM bin that comes the production KTM bin is um, neck in I believe and then the pro taper on the Husky was a lot more uh, comply like more comfort than the KTM so mm-hmm. I think it's just the hardware they use on those Austrian bikes is premium hardware like in the motors they have pankle cranks vertex pistons the finish and then all new the all new motors also really really good as well so mm-hmm. um, 
I think they just mainly the chromoly chassis and the WP suspension as well. Like it's its own entity. It's not a KYB or Showa. That's for sure. Yeah. One thing um, when I'd ride the KTM and the Husky middle straightaway with the two double step downs into that big right ball, I would land from that, and that was one place on the track I could feel the bike flex. And it felt like it was winding up, carrying a sock me. And I flew off the track a couple times there today. So the chromoly frame, it's more forgiving, but it's also less precise in some areas. Would you agree? I I completely agree with you. Um, I'm clearly more comfortable with that feeling. Um, But that that being said, like if you're off on your turn, if I overcook it, it'll stand up a little quicker as well. And I found the Japanese bikes, um, the Honda, it oversteers because that frame doesn't wind up as much. And, and that vagueness I struggled with. Um, I, I, I agree that, that that winding up of that chassis, if you're not used to that, it builds energy. That chassis is building energy. It's winding up. And if you don't stand it up in that turn or, or eject right or left or release the brakes, whatever you got to do to correct that, it, 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 you have a consequence. Yeah. And where aluminum frame, it builds energy quicker. So you don't kind of see it coming. So I think it's a different... You ride the bikes with a different style, clearly. Mm. What do you think, Pat? So, I agree with everything that you're saying, and there's positives and negatives to both. And I did notice that when I was riding the Husky and the KTM that most of the time those bikes offer quite a bit more comfort. And especially some of the aluminum bikes feel, felt especially rigid to me, notably the, the, the Suzuki and the, and the Kawasaki. They're noticeably rigid and provide a lot of feedback to the rider. You feel a lot of the, ch- the little chop that you might not feel on the Husky or the KTM. So for me, they offer a lot more. They offer a lot more comfort than some bikes. They feel smoother. Um, I think some of the Japanese bikes, going back to the spring forks and this, this next generation of spring fork, might offer a plusher suspension ride. But the frame in general. Um, pretty comfortable on the ktm and the husky but i did notice what you're talking about don there are times when there's a little too much flex and the bike gets a little bit of a wallow and uh it's not quite as precise so there there are positives and negatives to both but i think in general these bikes offer more comfort to the general consumer i think if you're if you're pushing really hard you might get into a position where you're you're feeling the flex in a negative way but i think for for the the target market uh, it's a pretty big positive that chromoly frame. And I think you would only notice the flex in a situation like today, where you're getting off aluminum chassis onto that. I I agree <clears throat> with you. I look. I think that if you spent time on any one bike, you could you could work through and get used to the the the, the subtle differences. When you're going back to back, it it really uh, points out. The, the differences in the bike and you can and that's when you can really start feeling the differences in f- frame flex and uh it, it was very telling today it was oh. very interesting so on the dyno i'm assuming if history repeats itself the ktm and the husky are the powerhouses big numbers mm-hmm. for me the Yamaha's easier to ride because that's good low and good mid where i think the power band the Husky and the KTM are probably better for more advanced, younger, more aggressive riders. What do you guys think about power? Um, from the the 
key team Husqvarna side of things, you, you, you're correct. I think the dyno will show it's a mid to top end motor. My first um, session on the Husky, I was kind of surprised on the how easy I was getting over some of the obstacles compared to the Suzuki and the uh, Suzuki and the Honda. There was a quad, like small little double double that we were jumping the whole thing, and if I didn't get my shifts right on the uh, Suzuki and Cowie. It, it was not making it, and the KTM, I could just grab third easy, jump it, no, even over clear at times. Um, so it, you do have to keep it at a high RPM, but it shifts really clean, um, just makes tons of power. But the KTM and has a little less bottom than the Husqvarna, but it pulls, it seems, higher up top, and that's due to the airbox. Mm. Um, I, I think the power... It's an advanced rider. Like the Yamaha, I can short shift and put the bike in a better place without having to get miles per hour and speed in a section. I could grab third and pivot off that taller gear in third. Like some of the turns I'd roll through third, I couldn't do that on the Husqvarna and KTM because the sweet spot's in the upper upper echelon of the of the power band. So I feel the Yamaha is a intermediate to pro-level bike out of the box. And the Yamaha can be ridden as a vet rider, a learning to ride rider, and a top pro because the power is so dynamic. Hmm. You know what? I'm, I'm glad that you used the word dynamic because that's what I felt with the Yamaha and, and a couple of the other Japanese bikes. I like the way that they hit hard out of the corner. And the two Austrian bikes, I wasn't as excited about because the, the power down low felt like it was kind Linear. of measured. It's yeah. linear, mel- it's linear, and it's a smooth delivery. Which it's not exciting. It's, it's not, not exciting. There's no excitement to it. There's no pop, and I kind of wanted some pop and some explosiveness out of the out of the ruts. And you and I talked about it earlier in the day, and you go, "Look, I, I rev my bike hard, and and uh, and so it's it wasn't an issue for you." Where I noticed coming out of the turns, I would gas it, and it was it was chugging, and I'd. I'd constantly have to wake it up with the clutch, and all it took was a quick stab of the clutch, but it was, you know, a split second after I wanted it. Mm-hmm. And so, like we were just talking about, if I was to ride one all the time, I would know, hey, look, I need to have the revs up a little bit more. I need to stab the clutch early, you know, whatever the solution is. But I was a little less excited about the KTM and the Husky because it just um, just had a little too smooth of a delivery. Once again, I'm. I'm not their target market. I'm not a 250F guy generally, and most people don't really want an explosive motor. Motor, I think for the people that they're trying to build this bike for, it's actually a great attribute. A little smoother, a little easier to control. I know when you get into the 450s, the uh, the KTM and the Husky are considerably easier to ride. Long motos, you don't get as as worn out. But on a 250F. I think a little more explosiveness down low would be helpful. Yeah, I think um, one thing that I, 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 I would say that the Honda has less bottom than the Husqvarna and KTM, clearly. But what it has is it's it's got an, a place where you ride it. It's got like a zone. And you, if you're not riding in there, it's not really working. But in that zone, it's really fun. And your experience mm. is like, when you get there, like, I'm, I'm like... I'm ripping. This is awesome. It's sounding cool. Where the KTM doesn't in the Husqvarna, it's kind of like a vacuum. It's creating power, but it doesn't give you this excitement part. There's not an excitement part to my that I can say. There's not like a mid where you should ride it. So it's 
I almost think it's hard for a new rider or someone getting on it. They don't know where to ride it. Do I short shift it? Do I rev it? Because there's not a, it doesn't dip. That dyno graph's going to be just like a straight line. It doesn't mm. have like a dip where that Honda's got a little dip. The Cowie's got a little less dip. The Yamaha has a big front side curve and then it kind of carries where you kind of tells you where it likes to be ridden. The KTM doesn't, or the Husqvarna doesn't tell you. Like it doesn't dip. Like it, it's moving. Like, well, should I ride it here? Or should I ride it way up there? And it kind of gives you wanting a, a liveliness and a fun experience. Does it get the job done? Clearly. But it's not that fun. I want more yeah. fun out of the motor. I want it to be freer. I know they they have the best crank. That Pankle crank has no bearing on it. And it's a lively crank. But they need to really work on that. Pap, pap, pap. Like that. You hear my terrible dirt yeah. bike noise. But like that lively. Bam, bam. They're like. Run. Run. Uh, the map's have been changed this year for more linear power band. Yeah. Because last year, both bikes were snappier. Yeah, this they've gone the wrong way on the mapping, and I feel it's it's hurting my experience. I want something like, like I don't feel like I can do a wheelie down a straightaway. I'm getting the mile per hour I want and the torque, but I'm not getting any fun experience. And they need to change the Yamaha, even though it's atrociously loud, gosh, you can just burp, 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 like you can have it. It's like playing a video game when you're riding it. The Honda's the same way. That space to ride the Honda is really small, unlike the Yamaha, but the KTM it just leaves you like wondering where you should ride it. Like You know you're building power way up there, but should I short shift it? Well, the other positive note about the KTM, even though, KTM and the Husky, even though I just said that you know, I was looking for it to be a little more lively out of the turn, it makes its power with torque. And so even though it might not be revving really hard, it's putting good power to the ground. Those bikes are deceptively fast. Yes. You're even even if it doesn't no. feel like you're revving hard, you're not making a lot of noise. You're not making a lot of noise, but you're covering some ground. Yes. And and it's effective, but yeah, a little livelier would give you a little more blip when you're when you're needing to get the front end light, that type of thing. But the bike's putting good power to the ground, even though it may not be revving. Yes. And uh, so I, I want to make that distinction because there are other bikes that don't have great low end either. But they, they'll fall on their face, where the where the Husky and the and the KTM are still making good power. It just could be a little bit better. Yeah. For me, the difference between the two bikes lies largely in the handlebars. Mm-hmm. The Husky is more comfortable. It has a better overall feel, and I think that the Pro Taper bar dampens more vibration and impact. Mm-hmm. So it makes the forks feel like they work better. Mm-hmm. The Pro Taper bar undoubtedly adds better comfort. It's 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 more comfortable. Um, I spent a lot of time on the bikes. I rode until they were flagging us off the track today. And and when you're doing a shootout, you know it it was pretty clear to me what the winner was. It was pretty clear to me what was bringing up the tail end of the of the pack. But when you start trying to decide what's third, what's fourth, what man, you're splitting hairs and you're going, gosh, this one's got a little bit more power. This one handles a little bit better. It's hard to decide where you assign more importance and you, and you start splitting hairs. And I was having a really hard time with the, with the KTM and the Husky. And really I was looking for just a little bit more low end and I was playing with the maps, which bar mounted maps are super cool. What, what a great thing to have. I was going on both of them trying to get more low end and, uh, I felt like the KTM hit a little bit harder down low and and it wasn't until i rode the the ktm at the end of the day 
that I, it really became clear to me that that was my third choice. Um, and I don't know, and I don't know why I just felt really good on it. The, the suspension felt good. It cornered well, and it just felt like it had a little bit more power down low on the Husky. Um, and that was my, that, that was my deciding factor in the last two laps that I rode all day long. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I agree with what, uh, Pat said as well. My, my first one, I was pretty clear after f- finishing out the bikes, the Yamaha was my favorite. Um, number two and three were the KTM and Husqvarna, um, cause the power and the handling kind of coincided with each other, but the, the four five who were not far off those that were the Honda and Kawasaki and I up until like I didn't know where I was going to put them up until before we went to dinner because um the things that I didn't like what the Honda did um were big things in my riding experience and how I felt comfortable but I had to look at and I want you you the consumers out there to remember when you're looking at a bike the Honda is current 2019 technology it has electric start. I had to kick the Kawasaki. So I um, the coupler, I had to change a coupler to change the ECU settings and the EFI. On the Honda, I didn't. I had a button. So these things that Honda's put money into the bike and those those features and benefits, kind of those things took the not, not, nudge, nudge, nudge towards the, me putting the Honda behind the Husqvarna and the reason for that is just technology. The Cali was good power, not terrible, but the chassis suited my style better. But then kicking it, man, like when you have all these other bikes, electronic, I mean, electric starts, and then you have the EFI settings on the handlebar. It didn't have that. They had to change a coupler. It's, I, I had to put the technology and in, in, give into the Honda because it, they, and the sound of it was way better. The motor was close. So... Hmm. Those two little things, though, those two little things from the Honda, they worried me about my personal experience, but when I took into, into account all of the technology that they've got going on and the the, the strides they made, um, it, when I say it's crazy to say they got fourth because it's a great motorcycle, but the power, just that little bit of low end hurt them for me, I think. Mm. Right before we talk about the other bikes, let's take a quick break hear from our sponsors be right back ogeo has been around for three decades but it was in 2001 that the brand forever changed the way we think about gear bags with never seen before features like specific storage compartments for your boots helmets gear and more the ogeo 9800 is the most popular gear bag in motocross visit ogeopowersports.com hey what's up guys malcolm stewart this offseason, I've been training harder than ever getting ready for 2019, and I've been using Rhino Power supplements before, during, and after my training, and has made a big difference, especially the motivation pills. Use Swap Moto as your discount code at checkout for 10% off your purchase, plus free shipping on rhinopower.com. What's up? This is Christian Craig. As a motocross racer, being in top physical shape is a must, and my favorite way to train is cycling. And whether it's road biking or mountain biking, I rely on Roy Cyclery to keep my bikes in perfect running order. Roy Cyclery has been servicing Old Town Upland, California since 1962. Mention the Swap Moto Life podcast for additional discounts in the shop. Uh, welcome back to the Swap Moto Life show presented by Ogio. I'm Don Maeda and I've got a really terrible voice because I've been sick. But I'm here with Mike Sleater and Pat Foster. So... 
we talked about the Honda, Yamaha, the two Austrian bikes. Let's talk about the Suzuki and the Cowie. You touched on the Cowie a little bit. Um, when you're talking about the features, one thing that just occurred to me is that Cowie is the only bike with seven eighth bars. There's something to be said for oversized bars, the strength, the durability, and even the ride that they provide. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Like the uh, the um, the Honda was a little harsh. It went to the bigger bars and I felt slap downs, but the Cowie, there was that scrub single step down today, and I felt like very similar aluminum chassis. The, the steering column was nice and thick. I was expecting to have that harsh feeling. Um, and it didn't. I think because the smaller bars, seven inch bars, it was allowed to flex more, and 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 you know they they've kind of stayed true to that model. And I, there's a reason why. Like those those bars have more comfort, you know. Mm. So remember, once again, you consumers out there, that when you change something on your bike, there's an opposition. Like you, when you change anything, you change. It might help one thing, but hurt the other. So yes, if we went to the bigger bars, you're going to get stronger bars and maybe a, a different bend but you're going to lose comfort you yeah. know you're going to lose comfort those seven eighths bars do have a um, more comfortable feel and on slap downs and entering turns more flex okay so the kawasaki returns unchanged green side panel radiator shroud suzuki comes back new chassis new engine new suspension I think the suspension was pretty far off. It was by far the stiffest bike. Um, but for me, I look at the two bikes. You can make those Suzuki forks much better. I don't know that you can make the SFF show much better. What are your thoughts about that, you guys? Yeah, you know... To be honest, I, I've, I've never had much luck with the uh, separate function fork. Um, it's it's always been harsh when you don't want it to be harsh, and then it gets it kind of blows through the stroke when you need it. It's very inconsistent. Um, look, Suzuki, I think for most people, missed the mark pretty bad with their with their um, spring selection. I think the bike's oversprung for anybody uh, lighter than 185 and. Uh, you know, maybe not a, a pro level. To be honest, I, I kind of like the Suzuki fork. I'm a bigger guy. I mean, yeah. 250F forks are always too soft for me. And when I liked it today, I went, wow, this is a problem. Because I like my bike stiff. And, yeah. uh, and uh, you know, that's just, man, I'm not their target market. Um, usually I always go in on the clickers, uh, a handful of clicks, and I actually ended up backing this out like four clicks. And uh, slowing the rebound down and just trying to calm the front end. Uh, look, it was amazing on, on big jumps. I think you went long on the 90 today. It was like a pillow when I landed. Yeah. It, and so it's very confidence-inspiring to have that much uh, control on the front end. But um, anytime we were – look, Paris didn't have a lot of sweepers today. I rode this bike in Japan. Uh, it wasn't really a fast track. But anytime you get this bike on a faster track – with some high-speed chop and some sweepy turns, the the front end is just not stable. It's deflecting, it's ricocheting, it's not staying as connected to the track. Uh, however, just like you said, throw a, a softer spring in, maybe adjust some clickers, and you got a bike that works really well. 
Yeah. One of the things that this new Suzuki chassis didn't lose is its great cornering. It's hampered by this front end that, that doesn't track well. But the, the, the geometry is good. The chassis is good. Um, the, the new ergonomics are great. Bike is sleek. It's narrow. It looks sharp. You know, Honda, or, uh, Suzuki had been quite a while without a body style change. And, uh, you know, the public was, was looking for something new. This new bike looks great. Uh, you know, if you're buying some springs and putting them in the forks, I, I think you got a good bike. Yeah. So, um, Mike, we rode the bike last week. <clears throat> I think we both agreed that it was pretty good. It's a lot better than we thought it was going to be. Yeah. It's a big improvement. Big. It's a big improvement. And I hate to say that, you know, that it was the last place bike in my dish, in my ranking because it's not a bad motorcycle. Like, the ranking is, is where they stack up against each other, but by no means is that bike not a bike you should be interested in getting, just like the Kawasaki. They all have cycles, right? These manufacturers have OEM cycles and manufacturing cycles, and when you get them out of, out of, out of whack with the other guys, there's leaps and bounds yeah. people make. So thank you, Suzuki, for, for responding to, to you know everyone. Um, it needs some refinement, but... Kickstarter, but it, it, um, five years ago, five years ago, that thing would have been the hunt for a, sh- a shootout win. Um, so it's they need to maybe if they do what Yamaha did for 2020, they get a few more horsepower and get that the spring rates. Like if, if the spring rates were right, I feel it would beat the Kawasaki for me. Sure. But they didn't. So on this day, they need to work on it, and hopefully next year they come back with some of the feedback that we give them and. They improve it. Mike, I'm glad that you said on this day, because that's important for people to consider when they're thinking about buying a bike, because today we rode at Paris, and Paris is tight, and it's jumpy, and it didn't it doesn't get real rough, and there's not a lot of fast sweepers and those types of things, and I was thinking to myself, if this was the only place I was riding, uh, I really like this Kawasaki. Kawasaki is, is got a, it's sleek, it's really narrow up front, it's easy to corner, it turns great. It feels lighter than it is on the scale, and and frankly, I didn't really have a problem with the front end today. When we go to Cahia, we go to Glen Helen. Okay, it, it's a problem. But if you're if you're a guy that's riding a tighter arena cross style track, or you're going to Paris a lot, you've got a favorite place where you're not doing a lot of high speed riding, or a lot of fast sweeping uh, corners and and choppiness. Um, Man, the, the, the Kawasaki is a great, great option. And I didn't want to make it sound like it's a lost cause because I haven't had any luck with this with the separate function fork. It's just it, a lot of it depends on your style and where you're riding. And and that's what's cool about this is so much of it comes down to personal preference. And, you know, Mike and I are comparable in speed, you know, fairly, fairly close. If we were to line up on the on the gate right now, he'd smoke me. But we're not too far off. And for me to like the Honda as much as I did, and for him to dislike the Honda as much as he did, he, ex- he explained all of his reasoning why. I get it. It makes sense. I didn't feel that. Um, so a lot of this needs to be considered when you're thinking about buying a bike. Yeah, and but, fun. And fun and, versus and fun. cost. And like, fun. What's your experience, right? We were had a performance test. Sorry to cut you off. No, path, no, it's like, perfect. Like, this was a performance test on what the OEMs have brought with the latest and greatest technology and how they performed best for a wide range of riders today for Transworld. This wasn't a fun test. It wasn't going to go out and see who had the most fun because guess what? I rode the um, Honda first. I was grinning because I was having fun. It didn't. I didn't have a bad time. 
I rode the Suzuki second. I was still grinning. I was having fun. So when you're looking at buying a new bike, look at your what you have to spend on it and how much you're willing to spend on it and what you're going to have to put into it because all these bikes are a lot of fun. You know what? And to be honest, the Yamaha, it might have won, but it's not that fun to hear it. It's obnoxiously loud. So the Honda sounds the best for me, the Honda Tone, but it was my worst bike on perf- not my favorite on performance. The Yamaha is the best on performance, but the sound was atrocious. The muffler was so loud. That intake noise was so loud. So this is a performance test today, folks, Like, and there's a fun factor to it all, right? Yeah. <clears throat> One thing, um, if you're listening, you have to keep in mind that we have more testing to do. Today was day one. So we're talking about how the bike stacked up for us today. Yes. Let's let's try some different topics. What bike has the best forks? Um, I'd say the best fork would be in the Yamaha for me. I agree. H- Unless you're jumping down, hands down, easy choice for me. If you're jumping out of an airplane, the Suzuki. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're hitting super cross style <laughs> obstacles, the Suzuki's ready to go. Yeah, it's ready. Uh, engine Yamaha. Yamaha. Um, brakes. KTM Husqvarna with the Brembros. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, agreed. Did you notice that KTM and a Husky the levers in? Mm-hmm. All the Japanese bikes, the levers way out. Yeah, and the adjustment it's, on the when you're switching between all of us riders, the 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 uh, manufacturers have to check sag for each one of us to get get it in their spec, and then all, all of us have a different handlebar position or lever positions. And the Husqvarna and KTM have dials on inside the levers. It makes it really nice when we go from rider to rider. So that's not a real big thing. It's a nice feature and benefit during a shootout. But as I'm saying this, you the consumer and you the rider, once you set your levers up, you're probably not going to touch them very often. So ever again. Ever again. So that being said, it's a cool feature if you're going to let your friend ride it. But once you set them, they're set. So you know, but I don't think the other manufacturers are, you can really adjust where the lever sits so i mean the adjuster on the on the ktm husky doesn't it position how far it is away from the bar uh the reach or, yeah it's, uh, just, it's the same as the other ones really it's just where well, the engage uh, cable clutch adjust the play yeah 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 okay so yeah I, I, I get you i get you but the feel like the brimbros the brakes um what about seats like an ergos who had the best seats in ergos do you think the honda the honda was most comfortable for me too yeah the the um the Suzuki, I actually liked the the plastic in the seat, but the the um, more than the Honda, just the seat in plastic. But the the peg height was real real high on the chassis, mm. so I felt cramped. Mm-hmm. So I, I like I was like really bummed because I didn't feel that the first time I rode that bike. But when once again, so when you reference these bikes, you start feeling things. It's not really a problem when you're riding it, but when you ride something else is when you notice it. And that Honda. It's not a very big motorcycle, but when I mean, how tall are you, Pat? You're I'm six one, and I'm five eight, and you we're, would think we're both I, comfortable. Yeah, and we're both comfortable in that Honda. <clears throat> Speaking of ergonomics, I felt cramped on the Kawasaki, but yeah, the option to move the pegs down. Yeah, that cool feature. And the bars, four positions, so I kind of thought about asking Chavez to move the pegs down. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that option. Yeah. 
Now the Honda has this handlebar option now too. Um, the Yamaha too. It's interesting. Air filters, right? You don't have to clean air filters very often. That's true. You That's know, you're up front. Piece of toast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it, there's not much. I mean, I'm, I'm anxious to put um, more time on all these bikes. Like you said, this is day one of the shootout, and I'm sure we'll get back to you on what these bikes do over time, you know, and what we do to improve the Suzuki. We look forward to improving that Suzuki and building off that foundation and giving you some tips if you're in the market for that Suzuki. You know, Mike, something that I wanted to talk to you about, you could probably offer some pretty good insight with your with your experience at, at KTM. Don and I have talked about this over the years, and it, it's been pretty consistent, at least the last few. On the scale, the KTM and the Husky are significantly lighter than everything else. Um, on the track, they don't necessarily no. feel lighter, and in, and in a lot of ways, it's a it's a good thing because the bike feels very well connected to the track surface, and it feels stable and and planted at high speeds, and typically that doesn't lend itself to very good cornering. You know, you usually have something that is uh, stable, doesn't corner as well, or it's busy and and and, and head shaky, but it corners great. And you, and you were mentioning the Honda earlier, which Don and I really like the cornering. You say it has a tendency to oversteer. When I'm on the KTM and the Husky, it feels planted and it feels stable, but it corners great, but not in a quick, knifey way. It just feels very um, eager eager to lean in. It, yeah. might, it wants to lay down in the corners and carve a nice arc, but I never had a problem with it knifing. And did you did you guys put a lot of work into that? I mean, um, how, it's just an interesting it's just an interesting dynamic that just those bikes have where they st- they feel heavy and planted even though they're light until you get to the turn and it lays in really nice. So it's interesting you have two characters there um, to answer that question. The best of my knowledge is you're right. I, I am disheartened. The KTM on the scale doesn't feel like that on the track. I. I I think they, they market the hell out of their weight and their savings, and they work hard internally for it, but I don't feel the difference. I actually, I actually, it bums me out how heavy it feels, and I think that's the attribute of the lazy motor. Mm-hmm. When I say lazy, not slow, the lazy feeling lethargic, but to add to the chassis, that was more my wheelhouse with the KTM group, Husqvarna group, was... We did a lot of head stay work. The head stays that come off the cylinder head to the frame with different designs. They're aluminum now where they were steel before, and that gives you uh, more f- less flex. Like that wind-up we, ta- we touched on earlier, that got rid of a pretty good amount of that winding up of the chassis. So um, they use aluminum production. They used steel in the past two years ago, and then the f- factory teams use carbon fiber because they want it even stiffer. So those head stays make a huge difference. And then steering stem tapers, like the, the taper of the steering stem. If you ever pull your bottom triple clamp out, the taper, the taper of the stem will help with flex and axles. Between the axle, the the um, steering stem tube, and the head stays, you can have an extreme amount of options what you do to your bike. And I think KTM's kind of found a good balance between flex and rigidity to get that point of coming into a turn um, without having like a reaction, like you kind of know it's coming. But if you're used to a Japanese bike, when like Don touched on that, when you start feeling it wind up, if you feel it wind up on aluminum frame, it's too late. It's too, no, so it's too late. You're going down. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. You're yep. sleeping. 
So if you're used to that wind up, you're going, it's going bad real quick. It's going real bad. Or on a, a steel frame, if it's winding up, you can like you, like pull out of it. Like go over the berm, miss the rut. You have a bit of a time, but I spent so much time on that chassis, I know exactly what it does. That being said, with what KTM and Husqvarna has done really good, I think Yamaha must have referenced those bikes. Because I was blown away how good that Yamaha 250F's chassis was entering turns that didn't stand me up or oversteer because that wasn't the best turning bike for years. It relied on its potent motor to literally pull its way through the track, mm. you know? Mm. Like, oh, I messed that turn up, but I can grab a handful and get, get back to where I was. Yep. So I, I think the the majority of the success with the KTM going back is fork lug, mm-hmm. axle stiffness, steering stem stiffness, and taper, and the head stays. And they really really concentrate on that but the weight the weight it's i think it's disheartening when you're so low on the scale and it doesn't correlate on the track where the honda feels like 20 pounds lighter in the hand even putting it on the stand yep the kdm feels heavy for some reason yeah the battery in the in the air box or something it's it doesn't it doesn't correlate to me <clears throat> let me ask you about this as a ktm rider rd rider the axle is fixed to the left side axle block and there's aftermarket companies marketing a kit to free that up what is the thought process behind the fixed axle block um i think uh, it's something to change like there's like (laughs) there's like something to change but I, i don't think there you know you talk axle block there was a you can go even deeper. There's guys that say the Husqvarna, Husqvarna swing arm has is more rigid because it's a slightly different. And I mean, to go back to back on axle blocks or swing arms like between those two, they're trying to get the torque setting when you're torquing something that's fixed. They're trying. They feel there's a bind, but I really feel like in in Moto, it's not like Moto GP. Like as soon as you get a clump of mud on your wheel. Or you get a clump of mud on the other side of the swing arm. I think as soon as you start doing that, it, it throws all those little things out of whack, right? Like, if you had the same conditions on the same day, on within the hour, and you're fresh, and the bikes are fresh, you might feel a difference. But I've never personally used a different aftermarket axle. I've seen it too, Rocky Mountain. I think um, the race team uses it. But the race team uses it different. They'll do, like, if you flip a KTM or Husqvarna axle block over, you can change the sprocket in two different... Um, two different teeth. It's a pretty nice feature. Um, so if you want to go from a 50 and you're on the long version, you can go to a 48 and not change your chain. Hmm. You know, you can, it's a pretty nice feature. Um, but the race team was doing it so they could leave their, they'd always want their, they have a number between that on their swing arm, on their, um, they have a number on their overall wheelbase they want to stick to. So they they use axle block difference to stick to this number. Hmm. So they use a certain chain on a certain axle block per gearing. It's to always have that number. And Zach Osborne, he's like very crucial. He won't run a gearing if he can't have his wheelbase. Wheelbase. He has a certain wheelbase. And I know KTM and Husqvarna's are very critical on balance with sag, on the amount of weight to the front wheel and rear wheel. And I noticed the the, uh, Yamaha was the same way for me. What are your thoughts on this? The Yamaha comes with a 100 rear tire. Katie and Husky, 110s, right? 
Does the skinnier rear tire make that bike feel even faster? What do you think, Pat? I don't know that it makes it feel faster, but what I do notice is in the corners, it seems like when I've gone back and forth between a 110 and a 100, or on a 450 going between a 120 and a 110, uh, the bike seems to lay over in the corner significantly easier with the thinner tire. I've always been a little reluctant to run it because I, especially on a, on a 450, with as much power as they're putting out, my thought process is always putting, let's put as much uh, rubber to the ground as we can. But uh, I've always been significantly surprised at how well the bike corners with the thinner tire on it. And I, as far as feel for the motor, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think um, KTM Husqvarna choose it for simplicity of production. We never got options to test one. I never got an option to try a 120 versus a 110 versus 100. So hmm. I can say we in all the years there, I've never got to try the difference. So kudos to Yamaha if they're actually feeling that there's a difference. Um, I don't think that 100 would have helped KTM or Husqvarna's cause. I think that that character, that motor, is still too lethargic. But I, I do rec- I think also it comes down to comfort as well. If that profile, that tire... Um, is it if it's a narrower tire, you're gonna, on acceleration, you could be losing or gaining comfort depending on what it does. Okay. Well, I think we've covered a lot. Um, Pat, Mike, and I are only three of the six test riders. So, while it's safe to say the Yamak is going to win the shootout, the rest of the standings largely depend on how the rest of this test goes and what the other three guys think. You know, we didn't really have a chance to, to visit a whole lot, and so there's there's folks that tested today that I don't even know what their selections were. Um, you know, obviously, Don's saying this is our first day of testing. We've spent a lot of time on these bikes individually. We've had intros with, with uh, each manufacturer, uh, with the exception of the Suzuki, which just came out, and the Honda, which wasn't much before that. We've had quite a bit of time with the majority of these bikes, so we, we have a pretty good feel for them, but man, I've been doing this a long time and there's just nothing like getting the bikes back to back on the same track, same day, same conditions and, and, uh, going back and forth. It's, it's just really telling. So yeah, lo- really looking forward to, uh, to the, the, the next steps in the test. And I'm pretty interested to hear what, uh, what other people think. Yeah, we, we rode, um, from nine to till 2 3 o'clock today and um a lot of the stuff you're hearing from pat i'm hearing for the first time same with dawn um and there's there's three other test riders of all different calibers riders different weights different sizes so it's really crucially that you pay attention to when this when the shootout goes live on transworld.com that you find that guy that matches up best with you and see what he thinks because i'm a former uh, ama pro so is pat and it's you got some up-and-coming riders, some some engine builders, some some vet riders. So, um, don't these are our opinions on this one day, and we have more to come. So, so stay tuned for sure. So uh, that wraps it up. Really sorry for my voice. Thank you for listening, and uh, stay tuned for more. You've been listening to the Swap Moto Live podcast show presented by Ogio and hosted by my dad, Don Lera. Thanks for listening.